the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into Hour 2. Everybody sit up straight and pay attention. We have the man with us for his second time over the airwaves in Phoenix, Arizona. Dennis Prager, welcome back. How are you, sir? Second time? What does that mean? Well, you were here. You were on the airwaves earlier this morning, if my ears didn't fail me. So I'm putting you back on the airwaves today. Like second time in the history of Arizona. No, no, like, no. Just double dipping today. But uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> second time in the history of Arizona. Only if Arizona was born yesterday, Dennis. I hear you. That's why I asked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we achieve clarity here, and then we can. Then we can. <laughs> first of all, first of all, Dennis, I'm glad. I'm glad you, you and your family are all doing so well. What was, what was what was the most by the way what was the most surprising response or editorial or statement about you in the last month that you read? It's a very good question. The uh, what was most surprised me was how much attention an offhanded comment that I made while I was still either recuperating or actually having COVID. It was so soon to my positive uh, test. Of, for COVID that I broadcast because I, I feel dedicated to my show. And uh, I, I so I actually may have still had COVID or was just, just getting out of it. And I, I, I was uh, rather amazed at how much attention, I mean, the Washington Post printed an entire article, a whole piece on, on me saying that I wanted to have natural immunity rather than a vaccination. And it, it, I'll tell you, the biggest surprise, since that's what you asked, is probably, aside from the amount of attention it got, was I actually believe, and I don't think I, I ever engage in uh, hyperbole, or I try not to, uh, I think the CBC came out with a statement a couple of days later, which I believe is, is not true. In other words, I think it's a lie, that the vaccine is better than natural immunity for preventing a recurrence of any serious infection or virus. And I am, I am pretty certain they did it as a result of all the attention my comment got. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Take... You're not supposed yeah. to exist. I mean, you're not supposed to exist because the media has done what I think is a macabre thing. Which is when you search this stuff, you find story after story after story about local talk show hosts. Maybe you knew some of them. I, I didn't happen to who have died. And that kind of the, the subtext of which is they deserved to because they were against the vaccine. So you weren't supposed to exist, Dennis. They had to send you to Coventry here. That's that's a very good point, Seth. Uh, I, I was supposed to die. I I'm sure I disappointed. I, I'm not sure I know that I disappointed oh, many. Yeah. Because if you read the comments of Washington Post readers, and remember, these are people who subscribe to the Washington Post. I don't think you can comment if you don't have a subscription, uh, because you, the 
you don't have access to the articles right. without a subscription. Right. And uh, the number of people who, who wanted me to die is remarkable. I, I really believe, had I uh, shot five people, there would not have been as many calls for my death. The, the, uh, the anger that those of us who believe that natural immunity is more significant than vaccinated immunity. And I never even denied that there was immunity to the vaccine. That's that's the irony. I I never attacked the vaccine. I simply said I prefer natural immunity, which I do. And I, I thank God that I have it now and that I was well. And that what really also bugged them is that I said, I both implied and said, that I believe that I did so well, mm-hmm. unlike those talk show hosts who, like you, I, I had never heard of, yeah. uh, which is only important in that they, they hard, the, the, sort of the hard they left search. went looking for them is what is, I yes, think is what that means. Yeah. yeah. Exactly Collectively, correct. we've been in this business a hundred right. years or something. We, believe, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, we should have. Yes, yeah. You yeah. Would think. Yeah. Uh, the, the belief is that these uh, things that I took, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and zinc, vitamin D, etc., they, they don't matter. They, in fact, the New York Times, which really lies about it, dismisses ivermectin as a horse dewormer. That's the term they always use. The whole left uses horse dewormer. Right. It was found, it was actually discovered or created uh, by a, an eminent uh, doctor, who got the Nobel Prize in medicine for creating ivermectin for people, Yep. not as a horse dewormer. Yep. So it's a total lie when they say that's what ivermectin is. It's a lie. But the left lies because, as I've said my whole life, truth is not a left-wing value. Dennis Prager will be here November 16th in Phoenix with Larry Elder and Charlie Kirk doing our event, America for Which It Stands. Tickets available at 960 The Patriot. Dennis, it'll be great to see you. On that very point, on that very point you were just you were just raising, there is something about there is something about the vaccine and hesitancy that I don't think enough people have written up. And maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. If I'm wrong, um, it'll only be because you correct me on this. But I think the 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 some somewhere close to 50 percent of Americans, 40 to 50 percent of Americans who have vaccine hesitancy, I don't think it comes from anything more than them looking at what the CDC and Anthony Fauci and Joe Biden have been telling them for the past year and a half and realizing that they're not being told the truth. They just don't believe them anymore when they change their definitions on the CDC, when they change at the CDC website, when they change the data, when they say things that are monumentally true one day only to be reversed three days later. I think people just stopped believing them, and I think that's on them. I 100% agree with you, and this notion, you know, they say anti-vaxxer. I never spoke against vaccination in my life. My children are completely vaccinated. It it, it never even registered on my radar. So that's another great lie when they describe me as an anti-vaxxer. I have hesitancy about a brand-new mRNA-type vaccine. And that any that is something that anyone who is healthy, people with comorbidities, for example, 
uh, and various types of infections and perhaps a cancer or, or a whole, well, that's a, that's a comorbidity. But uh, I, I would understand why a person weighing the options and who it does not have a strong immune system would take the vaccine. That makes sense. Why a child would? Uh, San Francisco is now saying that uh, a, a child cannot enter a restaurant 5 to 12, 5 years old. Yeah. To 12 years old has to take the uh, the vaccine, even though there isn't anyone under 20 who died in San Francisco of COVID, zero. So m- literally more kids, well, not I mean, this is obvious, not only from car crashes, but more more kids died uh, probably of drinking rat poison uh, or, or maybe even lightning. I, I'm not sure, but it's very possible. If one kid died of lightning, that is more than COVID killed. And yet they are forcing kids to take an experimental, and it is experimental. That's not, by the way, a, a knock on it. It is. This is a new type of thing that, that never gets... Uh, approval in such a fast period of time. And to your point, Kamala Harris said that she wouldn't take the vaccine because it was uh, developed under uh, Donald Trump. And then when he was voted out of office, it became a great vaccine. There's a tremendous assault on our freedoms, but worse than that, it's an insult on our brains that just today when OSHA puts out its guidelines on mandating vaccines in the workplace to any company that has 100 people or more. It's an assault on, 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 on rights and, and, and intelligence when, when the out is or you can pay for your own testing because we now know, Dennis, we now know that the vaccinated are probably more likely to spread than those who test on a regular basis and know they don't have covid yeah, the vaccinated well, so spread, so those without okay, COVID so, don't. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, That's all right. So they'll say, so then fine, so just test regularly and you're okay. But, of course, the, it's it's a nuisance and it's, and it's an expense uh, on people. Why, why, by the way, are those who had COVID not uh, considered uh, part of the vaccinated crowd? Talk about intellectual and, and medical dishonesty. To add to your point, it's not just the, it's not just the politicians. The entire medical establishment, yep. uh, in in the course of of eighteen months, has lost all, not partial, not a lot, all credibility with me. I consider the American Medical Association to be a lying fraud. They announced just last year, just earlier this year, that uh, they are opposed to listing the sex of any newborn child. Because we don't know when the child is born, if it is a male or female. That is the American Medical Association. The New England Journal of Medicine, in its issue today, has an article about uh, in, in inequity uh, among, uh, among doctors or among professors of medicine, uh, one of the two. And it, it's, it doesn't say Latinos. It says Latinx. Mm. Mm-hmm. You you know how left wing crackpot you have to be to say Latinx, which is like a South American Kleenex. <laughs> this is sick stuff. The medical profession has been completely destroyed by the left, as it does everything. Everything the left touches, it destroys. Music, art, late night television, baseball, football, basketball, uh, colleges, universities. 
art, music, everything it touches, it destroys. The latest is the medical profession. Yes. And on top of that, childhood. I'm thinking about this. You live in the state where it's it's probably being tested first. It's being done first, where they're now mandatorily uh, vaccinating children as young as five years old. We know all the science actually tells us the stats you said earlier a few moments ago, Dennis, um, about what a low risk this is to childhood, never mind the flu uh, being more, 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 more dangerous to children than, than COVID-19. So the argument arises, yes, well, children might be able to spread it to adults, about which we have very little data. But Dennis, help me out here, because it seems to me we're now in the realm of a world a society that is afraid of its children, which I have to tell you is no different than a world that abuses its children. Well, the, there has there's a, there's a great deal of child abuse in the in the name of medicine, including not not giving ch- children the sex when they're born. Yep, I, I think that's truly a form of child abuse. But yes, giving them the vaccine. What about putting masks on two year olds on airplanes? Why is that not child abuse? Why is not forcing them to wear a mask at their schools, even above the age of two? Everything that's we are doing correct. here. Yeah. All, everything, all the parents, yeah. All the parents yeah. that yeah. prevented their kids yep. from playing with other kids, yep. that was child abuse. Right. That was not health. No. And by the way, as for kids giving adults uh, COVID, uh, I can only tell you that the, uh, the Swedes reported the Swedes never closed their schools. Right. Till the age of 16, the entire year last year, the worst year, 2020, and of course this year, 2021, the schools were open every single day. Not one teacher died of COVID. Dennis, I'm looking forward so much to seeing you next week, as a, or a November 16th, sorry, not next week, don't get nervous, November 16th. I'm so looking forward to seeing you. You, um, you well, remind me of what George Eliot wrote in Daniel Deronda. You encourage about life generally. You encourage about life generally. For that, I thank you. Well, that's very kind of you. You're, you're very special. I look, look forward to seeing you. And I can only tell your listeners they're in for a very big treat, though, uh, with the three of us uh, coming there. It's going to be wonderful. Dennis Prager, bless you, sir, and Godspeed. Yes, same with you. Thank you. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. This is an extra treat. Maybe our most woke listener and caller. After all, he is named that way. Yair in Phoenix. Welcome back, Yair. Thank you, Seth, so much. How are you? I think I have that right. Doesn't your name mean to enlighten or something like that? I think you it does. got it. You, you are the most it. woke person in our audience. You are the enlightenment. <laughs> yes. Let's see if I can live up to that. Yeah, you always do. <laughs> I um, I just want to say, actually, I had the privilege of hearing a recording of your show from two days ago uh, that was sent to me by a dear person, and uh, that, uh, and even just listening to you for the last 20 minutes or so, has reiterated the notion that you have a, an uncanny ability to see and read between the lines, and to not fall for the for the minutia, and to not miss the forest for the trees, so I appreciate that. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you, sir. It is in that lens that I say, and, and forgive me for, for, for pivoting a little bit just to a, to a more contemporary topic sure. than just the coronavirus, sure. um, but I, I think that there's a, there's a mistake that I see that we're making on our side, and I hope that we can uh, 
uh, again, in my, as in my comment to you, not miss the forest for the trees. So okay. what I have seen from the right in the last day or two is what I would consider to be premature uh, end zone dances, okay. and premature victory dances over what has happened in Virginia. Yep. Now, I can absolutely uh, recognize why we would do that. As an example, in Virginia, uh, a, a state that we lost uh, by, I think it was like 15 points or something last cycle, yep. um, we not only won, but we won by about two points, but we also won uh, with the stumping of Obama, and Kamala and Biden yep. at the behest of Terry McAuliffe. Yep. Now, one would argue that despite them having a collective IQ that's dimmer than the burning ember at the end of Hunter Biden's crash pipe, <laughs> they are the preeminent uh, powerhouses within the Democrat Party. Yep. And so what I think, and so I, I understand the desire to pat ourselves on the back. However, I think we would be doing ourselves a disservice if we forgot that this is not only a victory in light of what I've just said, they have still been cheating. In the last 24 to 36-hour news cycle, I have heard nothing from the right about the fact that it is now beyond debate that the left still cheats. We presume, since we've won, that that problem has been solved. Terry McAuliffe, uh, as you well know, in the 2016 campaign, was lambasted by the Virginia Supreme Court for, I mean, this is the swampiest campaign bundler of all, mm-hmm who allowed uh, an excess of 200,000 felons to vote. The Supreme Court at the time, they then sort of uh, changed course, said, you're not allowed to do that, and he said, I'm doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion would be to remember the old uh, adage from Oliver P. Smith, the famous four-star World War II and Korean general, who at the Battle of uh, the Chosan Reservoir said, retreat. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Direction. No, no, that is what the right needs to understand about the left. Yeah, a couple of things on that. I I think we're in fierce agreement. A couple of things on this. Uh, The only name you left out that I think also is important, given the second part of your point, is Stacey Abrams, who is the walking representation of the legitimacy of claims that elections were stolen. And, and, And she was brought delightfully to campaign in for Terry McAuliffe, and I'd like to think that there was some repudiation of that claim as well, or at least that position. But regardless, I was asked about a week before the Virginia election um, what I thought the stakes would be, and I said, either way, I'm taking it cautiously. It's obviously delightful to have the victory. It's obviously a big darn deal. But let's not confuse one vote one time and 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 while jumping in the air for joy, have the carpet removed beneath our feet. Um, Absolutely. Th- this shows us. We make the yeah. mistake. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I, I grew up in Brooklyn. Oh, hold this thought. Yeah, yeah, hold the thought. Do you mind? I, I got to take a break. Absolutely. Uh, thank Will you. Do. I, I'll pick you up on the other side of this break. And anyone who wants to weigh in as well. Six zero two five zero eight. 0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Yair in Phoenix is joining us. Uh, Yair, you were just about to tell us a story based on your uh, Brooklyn upbringing, I believe. Yeah, Seth, I appreciate you holding me over the break. I just wanted to sort of provide a little bit of context as well. Everybody understands, I was going to reference my, my days growing up in Brooklyn, any any street fight, for example, has one of two consequences when there's a loss. 
the person either loses respectfully and uh, and stays down, as it were, or that person reaches for the proverbial pocket full of sand, yep. only to uh, figure out the next low blow, yep. or perhaps uh, summon a firearm from from the local uh, uh, building. Yep. This is what the Democrats are smart enough to do, and I and I caution us against, uh, as I stated, those premature victory dances. The difference between now and Biden's election is one year, and this is the fruit uh, that it has bared. Uh, one year from today is a long time, and the Democrats understand well uh, that they just ought not to say the words education or critical race theory or defund the police for one year, albeit knowing full well that's their agenda. They, uh, to the quote I used earlier, are simply advancing in a different direction. And so we ought to focus now more than ever uh, in, in sort of uh, some tool-like strategy that whilst they're on their retreat, this is the time to squeeze. This is the time not to let up. Rather than saying, wait for 2020, it's a red wave. It won't be a red trickle unless we do everything that we can now to stop uh, the cheat that we've now suddenly stopped talking about. I agree with you fully. Uh, th- that's exactly right. And and the challenge is going to not be uh, easy, let us say, because as you put it, you we are going to be facing reams and reams of progressives who are Democrats, who have been coached and counseled and received the training and talking points, not to say the things you said while we're saying they believe it. I mean, look what they do with critical race theory. We pointed out, and then they have three different arguments. The most important or first one is that it doesn't exist, right? right. That it doesn't exist. Then they get into their second and third ones when we show them that it does. But but that's... that's it doesn't exist, but you're a Nazi if you claim that right. there's anything wrong with it, even though it doesn't exist. Right. It doesn't exist... Uh, or, or it only, or, or, or if it exists, it's meaningless and nothing more than the truth. Or, yeah, it exists, but only in law schools. And of course, what stays in law, what happens in law schools, stays in law schools. Uh, anyway, we can go down that line. But that's what they do. They simply deny it. As Joe Biden said, "I'm not Bernie Sanders," right? And mm-hmm. and we have to, we have this effort job before us of convincing people. That under that tip of the iceberg is a very hardened, burnt into frozen crust leftism and that the iceberg is all they want us to see. But it's what's below it that will sink our ship if we let them. You got it. You got it. Thank you so much. It makes it hard, but we got to do it. Yair, we'll do it with you. I appreciate your call as much as uh, your brain, as much as your very kind words. Glad to... um, have you back uh, don't please please don't be a stranger um yeah this gets me back to something uh, i wanted to raise with dennis uh we didn't have time dennis prager but it gets us into this whole debate on race when you think about um what might make dennis so popular it's obviously his ability to articulate. It's obviously his intellect, but it's also saying and the kinds of things and talking about the kinds of things most people say to him, I know this to be true, he's courageous to do. He's courageous to go there. Or isn't he ever afraid? Understand that Stockholm Syndrome effect that that represents when fellow conservatives say, aren't you afraid? It's a concession 
to the point that we are supposed to be afraid. It's a concession to the fact that so many are indeed afraid to speak about these things. And it's a concession to what the left has successfully done, which is to make people afraid to talk about these things. How do they do it? With the worst possible slurs at their disposal. There used to be nothing worse you could call someone than a Nazi or a racist. They have perfected that to a fair thee well, so much so that the chairman of the DNC, two nights ago, probably his biggest camera night since Joe Biden was elected, declares that the Republican Party is the party of fascism and fear. So much so that he reinstantiates or reifies that point, just so we know that Republicans are not to be listened to, and to the degree they exist, they should be sent to trial at something like Nuremberg. What they will not tell you and what I will, what they will not tell you and what I will, is that it's their very philosophy that most of us prayed was killed at Nuremberg. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Doug is in Maricopa. Hello, Doug. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Welcome back. Sorry. Hi, Doug. Our bad this time. How are you, sir? I'm doing real good. good. Yourself? I'm doing just fine. Good. Thank you. Wonderful show, as always. And I, I want to concur with your previous guest. And... Uh, in that I think that we are the victory we had in Virginia and in places in New York and uh, our near victory in uh, New Jersey. I think it has to be more of a cautionary tale than anything else, uh, because I think we tend to what we've done historically in the past. It's almost like we we take a big sigh of relief and say, oh, good, the battle's over. You know, and I'll, I'll quote this because it, it just terrifies me. And then it's like, well, now we can get back to normal. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that that is one of the reasons the left never, never, ever win, lose, or draw, they advance. By the and way, pause one second. Let me add this to our list of great lies in our midst. Now we can get yeah. back to normal. Now yeah. we can get back. Do you well, know yeah. how many people said that somewhere around December, November, sorry, somewhere around November 4th of last year and January 1st of this year and January yeah. 22nd of this year? Do you remember yeah. how many people said yeah. that? Oh, why do you think I have gone from philosophy of, of our founding fathers? And so that's why I've gone to be the, the, the canary in the coal mine is we're the problem, yeah. you know, because that was said on your show but by the sweetest, dearest person, uh, someone I would counsel as a friend or anybody else, because uh, I agree with them so much. And that is why we get in so much uh, trouble, is because what happens is we take a big sigh of relief. We want to go back to being gentlemen, and have, but they aren't. They advance. And so the question then becomes... Um, you know, if you look at this, here's the question I want to ask um, all Republicans. 
and that is this. Why do we want to hold office? Why do we want to hold office when the when the liberals get in the bureaucrats grow in number, budgets grow. When we get in office, we're placeholders. And what do I mean by that? And I want everybody to think about this. If Republicans are in office and the bureaucracy does not reduce and the number of bureaucratic laws do not decrease and the budgets do not decrease, we are placeholders for the leftists. Yes. We are holding their advancements in place yes until they get back in and begin to advance the question it's almost is, as if we're saying we... we'll take five minutes for a commercial break yes honestly we'll, we'll hold on no. to your adva- we'll hold on to your advances mm-hmm. until you come back in that's why i'm saying we've got to start until we start getting a little bit more aggressive and start to say we're going to go nose to nose and i mean us in the field how much are we willing to give up? Are we willing to give up cable? Are we willing to hold back on a new car and give the payments to help fund other people in the field? Are we willing to put time into the Republican Party? Are we willing to do anything to stop this? Or are we saying, I'm glad someone went out there and now I can go back to church and I can go back right. to my city? Right, 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 right. And, so for as much as we yeah. have been praising rightfully, the <clears throat> parents uh, who are fighting the school boards across the country, but primarily, or at least initially, out of Loudoun County. I know there are some in this audience because they've called me. How many are running for school board in 2022? Right. How many? There we go. You know, if you yep. had a tenth of Dennis's audience or Gorka's audience or, for that matter, this audience, just a tenth, a tenth, that ran successfully for school board, you could change the country. Yeah. You could change the well, country. It wouldn't this. happen tomorrow, yeah. and it yeah. wouldn't happen no. in 2023, no. but you could change the country. And if you want to hear some simple math that will just open your eyes, if you have a couple hundred thousand people, as I don't know the, uh, your audience, but if we had just 20,000, if all of a sudden we started carving out simple things in our lives so that we were beginning to donate to uh, MAGA uh, aggressive fighters like Ted Cruz, uh, which I still hold as a badge of pride, you know, when he was primarying out the the establishment type Mm -hmm. people. And I do that for dozens of people, black man in Colorado, entrepreneur, lost twice, but by God, I gave him money and I'm so proud I did. If we could do $100 each, uh, if we had a thousand people or twenty thousand, yep. a tenth of your audience, yep. that would be almost twenty million a month. Yep. Yep. Now where you know, so where are we, you know, in terms of this? And and so here's the question. The victory is really the starting place of the game. It yep. is not the end of the game nope. because now we have to begin to establish our agenda. And is our agenda to hold the liberal establishment's progression in place for their next victory? No. Or can we begin to dismantle it and make it tough for them to advance? Yes. that I, I, I'm with you all the way. I, I, I'm not behind you all the way. I am with you, side by side with you all the way on this, Doug. And, and let me point out something that I know you know to be true as well, but I feel compelled to say it, which is the challenge that you are up against that we're talking about is not that new to the Republican Party. 
it has really no. ever been thus. You think about the guy I was talking about earlier, Goldwater. He ran yep. against the Eastern Republican Party establishment, yep. people with whose yep. names had were, were Romney and Rockefeller, actually. <laughs> people with names like Romney and Rockefeller. Think about that irony. Um, Ronald Reagan, in his own time, struggled to beat back the reinstantiation of that Eastern Republican Party when he challenged yeah. Jerry Ford. People don't remember Nelson Rockefeller was Jerry Ford's vice president. People don't yeah. remember that. Yeah. That's how quickly the moderates yeah. came back. And then, oh, of God. course, yeah. it, and of course, Donald yeah. Trump had to throw off uh, the entire establishment of the Republican Party. And 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 Newt Gingrich had to do it in the early 90s and throwing out the establishment of the Republican Party leadership or minority leadership in the House as it was then. Uh, people like Jack Kemp, they created um, the Conservative Opportunity Society because, believe it or not, no one was talking supply-side economics until Jack Kemp and Ronald Reagan in the 70s. Right. This was not a Nixon yeah. program. This was not a Ford program. This was not a Bush program. No, no one was talking no. dynamism in the Republican Party until Barry Goldwater and Ronald Reagan and Jack Kemp and Donald Trump. And there are others. Ted Cruz, Tom Cotton. We can do a list. We've done it before. Oh, yeah. But the right. challenge is not new. If you want to stay with me into the other side, I'm happy to, to, to continue this conversation with you. But, but the thing is, we no longer have the excuse of not knowing how to fight and where to fight. We have been taught it and we have been shown it. And it's on us. It's on us if we squander it. I'll let you have the last word when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. We were talking with Doug in Maricopa. Doug, I suppose the only other point I wanted to make was when you think about those people who challenged their own house in our party, the Goldwaters, the Reagans, the Newt Gingriches, the uh, Donald Trumps, uh, the Jack Kemps, they were fighting on cultural issues, by the way. The thing the establishment yeah. is always telling us we should. Now, it's true that the issues have changed, but go back and read Conscience of a Conservative, a whole chapter on education. And, of course, I had someone the other day say to me, um, why is the polio vaccine mandate different from, you know, what's being done to a state? And it's a long answer, and I have a lot of reasons why it's different. But, you know, one of the things that never happened with the polio vaccine was that it was never federally mandated, as no vaccine ever was. And the reason it wasn't was because of a plucky junior senator in Arizona who campaigned against it, saying it's right. the back yeah. door to socialism. Yes. You know, I, I think we need to look at historical references to, to learn lessons. And the question is if we're going to learn them or not. I, I've learned. I was that try-to-be-nice establishment person. I am still try to be nice, but I'll get right in their face now, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I still am civil, but I am right in their face. And they usually back down when you do that. You know, I have found they're not willing for the fight. They're usually like bullies in the yard. They're, they're the one bullying until someone goes in their face, and they're actually quick to back down. But here's where I think we have made the mistake. This is an assessment of myself 
and why I've changed. And I hope there's hundreds of thousands of other people because we will win and advance our agenda, but only if we change. And here's the big change I think that has to happen. We have always depended depended on those courageous few that are in the political arena to do our fighting. Mm-hmm. We have depended on the Reagans and Goldwaters, and we have neglected our culture, and we neglected our community and went to work, church, and our business, and just ignored, kept our head down and ignored everything else. Mm-hmm. And what the left learned is that you do not put your head down and ignore everything else. You advance into the culture. You change the culture. You fight day and night. You fight for every little thing, and you always advance and never leave the battlefield, win, lose, or draw. We waited for the one or two people to go to pull in there and do the Hail Mary. They had an ar- They were building an army of people like us. We need to build that same army. So with class, dignity, and everything else, they when we have those brave souls, they are not by themselves, but they stand at the head of an army of great, wonderful American patriots. Fabulous, Doug. Fabulous. I won't even try. I won't even try to beat that. But I will ask Bill to remind me to say something about your point a little later as an example of how we should fight. Bill, will you remind me? The great Scott Pressler of The Persistence coming up next. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 